Welcome to Catholic Radio Indy's Lunchtime Podcast Sampler. I'm Kent Blanford. Each week, we'll bring you a sampling of some of the best Catholic podcasts being prepared and shared out there on the internet. We've stepped back into ordinary time, that part of the liturgical calendar that seemingly doesn't celebrate or prepare us for anything in particular. So I'm thinking this would be a great opportunity to take stock of where we stand. Have we found and are we living out the vocation God had in mind for you? Our first offering on this week's sampler comes from bustedhalo.com. Father Dave Dwyer is joined by Sister Mara Grace, Vocations Director for the Nashville Dominican Sisters, for a discussion of discernment and vocation. Well, this week, as we've mentioned, we celebrate National Vocation Awareness Week, and our next guest is going to help us do just that. Sister Mara Grace is a member of the Dominican Sisters of St. Cecilia, also known as the Nashville Dominicans. She has served in Denver, Nashville, and Limerick, Ireland. She currently serves as vocation director for her community and finds it a privilege to speak about religious life and support young people in their discernment. Welcome to the Busted Halo Show, Sister Mara Grace. Thanks, Father. It's great to be with y'all. Oh, now, first of all, tell us a little bit about when we say like the Nashville Dominicans or Dominicans of St. Cecilia, people might be familiar with like the Dominican priests or brothers, but the sisters, I always find it hard to describe how that works. (laughs) One way might be to say that oftentimes with men's communities, it's a national or an international group that might be subdivided, you know, geographically. But I think oftentimes the way women's communities work is that they are fairly independent and a little more local. Is that fair to say? That's correct. Yes. Uh, Usually for women's communities, they're congregations. And so each congregation is kind of autonomous or has their own governance, Um, different from like the Dominican friars, say, who are all under the master general. We'd have different congregations of Dominican sisters. The master so, general sounds fun. The master. I know. <laughs> He's like the, the head of the Dominicans. The master right. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, I'm having lunch with the master general. Whoa. <laughs> yes, sir. What is he? <laughs> so you are based in Nashville, and uh, and apparently you there's some at least some devotion or some connection to Saint Cecilia. That's correct. Yeah, when we our sisters, our congregation was founded in 1860. And so the sisters came here from Ohio in 1860 and established a boarding school for young women. Oh. And um, at that time, you know, there were no Catholic schools for women here. So the it was supposed to be kind of a finishing school. So the, the emphasis was on music and the arts. And that's why St. Cecilia, patroness of music and arts, was chosen as the patroness originally for that school. Uh, and then when we became our own congregation, we took her as our congregational patroness. Okay. Now, uh, our our young Brett, my co-host, has returned to school at, at uh, late in his 30s. He's doing a master's degree. Brett, I'm I'm pretty sure that you would be happy if this would be the finishing of all of your schooling. This would be it. If I could finally <laughs> learn music? Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> no, that you'd be finished with school after this. It would be like a finishing oh, school I for see. you. <laughs> I, I thought finishing school was like when Emily Post did, put a book on your head and stuff like that. <laughs> well, yeah. You were saying I need to work on my manners a little bit. <laughs> I mean, uh, that, yeah, some I'll overlap. Some I'll overlap. Yeah, I'll take it. Yes, so, no, once I'm done, I'll be happy I'm done with finishing school. Finishing school. You'll be finishing school. <laughs> That's right. So, Sister Mara Grace, this is National Vocation Awareness Week. Um, let's just say for the sake of argument, some people listening might be like, oh boy, we know this so much, but let's say maybe there's one or two people out there that might be wondering, 
When they talk about vocation, what exactly? What do, we, what do we really mean when we say vocations in the Catholic Church? Yeah, a great question. I think um, a lot of times this word can bring anxiety to people. It's like this big decision to be made. And a vocation is simply just the Lord's calling to lay down our life in a particular way, the stable form of living. So there's there's some main stable forms outlined in the church. So we're talking about marriage is a vocation priesthood, vocation, religious life, consecrated life as a vocation. These are ways in which the Lord invites a, a person to give themselves in love. Um, and so this week, the national vocations are focusing on primarily on the vocation, priesthood, and religious life, but of course also praying for good holy marriages as well, which are so important in the upbuilding of the church. So I'd imagine much of your work as a vocation director for the Nashville Dominicans would be connecting with young women, young or less young or whatever, women who are at a place where they might think that they're discerning. Maybe they think they have an inkling of a call, a, a tapping on the shoulder from the Holy Spirit, that this might be a way in which God is calling them, right? That's right. Yeah, I'd say probably half of my work here as vocation director is here at our mother house, like our main hub, if you will, where we enter and where we eventually retire, please God. Um, and so <laughs> here, here is introducing young women to the life. So I think a lot of times in discernment, there can be this scary, like, oh, if I go visit, I'm going to get kidnapped. Um, no, it's the, the goal of a vocation director is to help the young women to figure out, is this somewhere where I'm going to flourish or be happy? Um, so half my job is just hosting retreats here, inviting women to come just live our life with us and see, is this somewhere where I could become a saint? Is this where I will flourish and be happy? You're saying some people are worried that they might be thrown in the back of a white panel van, like it's a cult or something? I mean, <laughs> Yeah, I remember actually myself when I yeah. first heard about sisters, I was like, I'm not talking to them. <laughs> I might get stuck. <laughs> but then you learn that's not the goal. Actually, they want my happiness as much as I do. So um and the other part of my work that I do is, is travel around and talk about religious life or meet with women who are thinking about it, or even just introduce the idea to those who have never heard of it. Um, and so that's a great joy, all the different reactions to religious life in high schools, but mainly in colleges and other and parishes and that kind of thing. Well, a moment ago, Sister Mara Grace, you, you mentioned uh, one of your preconceived notions about religious life. Would you mind sharing with us a little bit about your own story, your own path that has landed you as a Dominican sister? Sure, yes. Yeah. So I, I grew up in Kentucky, as, as you mentioned in the beginning. And where I grew up, we I had no concept of religious life. I didn't know any sisters or, oh, well, I should say Sound of Music, Sister Act. That was like my right. Okay. That... <laughs> so I imagine most are the same way. Um, so when I was in, in high school and I had this kind of reconversion back to the faith, I'd say, um, I really just wanted to to live for the Lord, but I didn't know what that meant. I just knew that I loved the Lord and I mm -hmm. wanted to live for him. Um, so when I was a junior in high school, my dad actually was the one that told me about our sisters. Um, he loves to research. And I had, I just mentioned to him, I'd wanted to go on more retreats. So he found our website and found that we had retreats here in Nashville um, and told me about the retreat here at St. Cecilia. Now I, I originally was kind of interested because St. Cecilia is my confirmation saint. So that was kind of, oh, that's uh -huh. yeah, there's a connection. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, and then I, but when he said it was a convent, I thought, no way, you know, that's not my idea of a fun retreat. Um, but something now I know it's the Holy Spirit prompted me to reach out to the sisters and just ask about the retreat. 
And so I did. And when I was talking to the sisters, actually, even through the phone, I could sense this joy. Oh, yeah. um, and wow. so I decided to come on that retreat as a 16-year-old as a and um, was blown away by the, the life that the sisters lived. I think with each sister I encountered, there's this overabundance of joy. And there was this freedom that I saw the sisters had that I myself was looking for, you know, and not to be so swayed by culture and by um my peers, like I was just looking, I wanted to be in love with the Lord and be free to live that way. So at, at the end of that retreat, I, I would love to say I knew right away, but actually I really felt called to marriage. You know, I felt like oh, yeah. I had this <laughs> in my life, you know, like I was going to have eight children, you know, this little perfect home. And um, so I remember telling my parents, well, I don't have a vocation to religious life. But if I ever did, I'd be a Nashville Dominican. You know, that was clear to me, like where I would want to be. But um, not clear that I that that would make me happy. But throughout for the next several years, I just kept being drawn to go back and visit. Um, I think I may have the frequent flyer um, reward for the sisters of like coming the most um, visited just on a random Sunday. I call and can I come down, you know, and. I realized that most people didn't have that same reaction of wanting to be right. at the corner, you know? I, I think um, probably like in the back, they had yeah. your, like at the post office where they have pictures on the wall, like watch out That's for right. this person. They're watch like, yeah, yeah, we need to <laughs> start talking in. to her. She's showing up on her own, like where nobody's dragging her. It's a little scary. Yeah. Way to ruin your date life, you know, like, okay, don't date her. She's too good. <laughs> um, so yeah. yeah, anyway, long story short, I just, it was, I was in college, I went to college for two years and that sophomore year just was so restless, you know, when my heart was seeking something and, and everything on the surface looked like I was happy, you know, I loved my classes. I love my friends, all these things, but I, I couldn't deny that uh, there's something that was missing. And I came home that summer and all of a sudden, like religious life just kept coming up. And this was after I told the Lord, I'm not thinking about this after college, you know, I'm tired of the fight. I just want to like live my life, you know? And but when it happened, <laughs> yeah, that's what it felt like this tug of war. Like, which one do you want, Lord? So I had I had started the habit of daily mass and a daily time of silent prayer in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And through that, um, had developed a real trust in the Lord that He knew my heart and He knew what would would make me happy. And so when the religious life kept coming back up that sophomore after my sophomore year, I couldn't deny that okay, I'm not doing anything to make this happen. Lord, is this you? Are you inviting me to look into this? So I went back down that summer. And when I was there at the mother house in, in adoration, I just had this peace for the first time in a long time. And this sense that he's calling me and he wants to call me now. And I don't want anything different. Like that's all I want. Um, so I ended up entering that summer. Well, and you were how old when you finally did? I was, I was 20. Okay. So, mm -hmm. so you've been doing, you've been at this for like four years. Oh, how's that going? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> four years ago. Sister Mara Grace from the Nashville Dominicans is our guest here during National Vocation Awareness Week. What, what would you say that in your experience, how long you've been doing the vocation director gig? This is my second year. Okay. So I started so experience under your belt. Oh yeah. You started in a pandemic. How, how's that really drumming up a lot of business? <laughs> Do you know, it's amazing. I think because of that fact, it was the Lord made it really evident. This is not my work. This is his yeah. work. Yeah. Um, we were very blessed to have several sisters enter, even in the midst of really? all the wow. craziness. Yes. Wow. So, so, so uh, 
what I was going to ask you is, is in your experience now, do you, what, do you see something common in terms of people that are experiencing that something of a call? Obviously not everyone that you work with as a vocation director discerns that sometimes you even sometimes your job is to help them discern, well, this isn't the right place. We had a call right before you, uh, right before you came on the show of a man who has only two siblings and they're both Catholic nuns. And so he said at one point when he was young, he went to see the your religious brother recruiting office. And after a short meeting, the guy says, yeah, I don't think, I don't think you got the call. There's not you. <laughs> so, yeah. so sometimes it's that sometimes it's helping people see the, the path, but do you see something that is, is common these days. And, and the reason why I ask you that is because there's a lot of people listening that probably have people in their lives. And maybe just like, I mean, the, the silly example that we we're using with you, I mean, somebody that on her own time wants to go hang out at the convent, I mean, it's probably a fair likelihood that eventually that's going to turn into something. But do you see some, um, I don't know, some telltale signs or something that maybe some of our listeners could kind of look out for in people in their lives, some young people in their lives, either that they know for the parish or through their family, that might mean, huh, this person might have a calling. Sure. Yeah. I think number one is a great love for the Lord. You know, like he's the one that calls. And, That's true. Um, while, while, although this, I will say a little disclaimer that Sometimes girls come and say, so-and-so told me I had a vocation, you know, and so they can, it can be that some people think everybody who prays must be called. And that's not true. We need very prayerful married couples as well. Right. That's right. (laughs) Definitely. That would need to be, um, that would, that would definitely be a constant among all those who are discerning that there's a great love for the Lord and and a generosity. Um, and then I'd say too, if the Lord's calling, he's consistent. So it's something that keeps coming back, you know, that, um, the Lord brings up in different ways. So I think that's, that's a good test, like the test of time. And then honestly, I think a lot of times, uh, you know, even if somebody just has a little curiosity or like this thought came up, um, that's why a vocation director is there to help sift through could this be from the Lord or is, you know, in what way is the Lord working? So I think just a a desire to do the Lord's will um, is pretty consistent. Now, what I've also noticed, because I I helped out in vocations several years back when um, Sister Peter Marie was our vocation director, and I have noticed there is a growing trend of openness to religious vocations, which wasn't technically there when I was discerning even. Um, so I think that is has a great positive because it's less scary to look into it um, when you realize, okay, I'm, I'm not the only one thinking about this. And then just that willingness to, to see, to, to seek out and um, maybe visit a community, the Lord will help steer. Is this for you or not. Um, so I think I think for young people not not to be afraid to what might look like make a mistake, you know. I think some people are afraid to look into it until they know for sure this is where the glory is calling. But you can't know until you at least see and experience um the life. I think and, and we do that we do that in many other aspects of modern life. I mean people will if they're I know a lot of uh parents that are my age that have kids that are like looking at colleges now and they hop in the car and they drive around, they walk around campus and they meet people and they go, how do you like it here? Oh, look, I like the Ivy on the side of the building. That's kind of cool. Or they got a nice big football stadium. And so we do that in a lot of other ways, but I do see that what you're talking about, Sister Mara Grace, because this is a less familiar and common life choice that sometimes people don't necessarily want to be out there to the world Unless they're sure, because they don't want to say, hey, I might be coming a sister. And then three weeks later, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Yeah. 
That's true. Yeah, and I think that's scary. I, I especially, I don't, I know, I don't talk as many young men, but I see with young women, there's this fear of if I go in this direction, I could get it wrong, right. you know, and, and that's not how the Lord works. You know, even even the process of looking into religious life, even if that's not for someone, um, the Lord will use that as part of the process. Right. In my right. own family, I have um, there are four Three, three of my siblings and myself all entered religious life. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. Two of them left and just turned out. And I think they would both say they would not take that back. You know, they that was a very formative time in their life. And it has, you know, one's married with children now. And it's made him a better husband and father. Sure. You know? <laughs> so it's all part of that process of becoming a saint. And I think that's the important thing to remember that. The goal actually is not vocation. <laughs> like we're not going to be judged. Did you find your vocation or not? Like the goal is love, <laughs> and that's yeah. that's yeah. what um, the goal of life is. So if in discernment there's fear and anxiety and all this, like I got to figure this out, that's usually not from the Lord, and that's when we've tried to grasp instead of receive. Um, so I, I see that as a big trend, this grasping at, I want to find his will, which is beautiful to want to do the Lord's will. I mean, don't get me wrong, but it has to, it's something that's received um, as an invitation and not grasp as I will figure this out. Well, and, and the, the point that you make is, uh, it, it may seem a little more uh, trite, but it's often when I'm working with people at a parish level or some of the videos that we have on bustedahalo.com, we actually have to say the same thing about literally receiving the Eucharist. That, you know, we don't go up there and snatch it out of the hand. Now, some people try, but ideally the church would not have us go up there and grasp, I like your word, grasping at it, because it is something that needs to be received, whether it's our vocation or taking the very presence of our Lord Jesus Christ into ourselves. That's not, you know, we don't go grab it off the shelf. What's those new little... uh, Amazon stores where you don't have to pay, you just walk in, grab it off the shelf, and you leave. The Amazon zippity doo or zippity da, what's it called? Quickie doo, quickie Amazon or something like that. But uh, but it's it's not like that. I mean, we it is we are receiving God's call. We're receiving the sacrament of the Lord and not grasping. So I like that. I like that metaphor in both ways. So that's great, sister. Yeah, for sure. Actually, we just had a vocation retreat at our mother house this weekend, and I was telling the young women that. Um, yeah, maybe the reason you had this desire for religious life is be- for some other reason. Like maybe somebody in seeing you come visit is inspired to look into it, you know? So we might have an expectation of this will be the end result if I go in this direction, but the Lord might have a different yeah. end result. So just to be open to his movements and um, why he inspires different things in our lives. Now, Sister Mara Grace, this is probably the first time our producer, Christina, she's been working with our show about four or five years. This is probably the first time we've had somebody from a women's community on where I now can't say, nudge, nudge, come on, Christina, because she just got engaged like a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) That's true. Thank you. You know, it's really funny. I was in Nashville maybe like three years ago, and I was just visiting a friend. But I actually went over to the Dominican sisters for mass just because I, I had a curiosity and I was like, I'm not going to go on her treat, but I'm going to pop in and have mass with them. So I, I went for a morning mass with you guys. And I'm always just so moved by women religious. And I think that there is such a joy there that part of me kind of always deep down was like, oh, it'd be nice if I was called to that. But I never fully did. I, I explored it a little bit and discerned it a little bit, but I never really felt like that was my vocation. But whenever I see a joyful sister like you, Sister Margrace, I'm like, 
uh, sometimes I wish I was called to that. But ultimately, <laughs> I am very happy that I'm called to marriage and I'm so excited to get married. But I, there's something so beautiful to me about religious life and about joyful vocations like that. And I'm, I am glad. You know, it's so when I went to mass to see you guys, I was I took an Uber and the Uber driver was asking me why I was up so early in the morning. He's like, where are you going? And I was like, oh, I'm going to church. And I I kind of, I mean, I just went to mass. Nothing really came of that afterwards. I, I didn't, you know, further discern, you know, joining the, the Nashville Dominicans. But I, I kind of thought that that Uber ride was the reason why I was meant to go because this man was telling, he was older than me, he was probably in his 40s or 50s, and he was telling me that he was raised Catholic, but he had fallen away from the church, but every once in a while he thinks about going to Mass, and um, he just never does, but when he dropped me off, he was like, you know what, maybe I'll go to Mass, and maybe I'll go to this specific church, and I never know what came of that, but, you know, hopefully he hopefully he did, hopefully that inspired, you know, just a young girl going to Mass at 7 a.m. or whatever time it was, hopefully that inspired him to... Uh, to do it himself. So you never know. God might be asking you, like you were saying, <laughs> sister, just to go and discern for a day or for a weekend, and it might move someone else, even if you're not called to that vocation. Yeah. It, well, well, yeah. Because for one thing, it's sort of, for lack of a better word, it normalizes it in a culture where it's not very common. So, so mm-hmm. to have some friend, I mean, even if among Christina, among your girlfriends, be like, oh, yeah, I went to some discernment week, uh, weekend a couple months ago, and one another says, yeah, I was thinking about that. And you're just talking about it, like as if you were, you know, I went to a movie or I went to a concert. It's like just something that people actually do do. Right. That's right. Yeah. I think it's great, Christine, when you said, you know, I experienced it and I didn't feel called to that. I there is um sometimes people will come like, oh, it's so joyful, it's so peaceful here. I love whatever, whatever. But I couldn't I couldn't live here. And that's great in that gives you clarity in your discernment. Okay, great. Cross it out. You know, if somebody came to me and was like, Oh yeah, community life would be really hard for me and silence, yeah, I can't really do it, but I think the Lord's calling me. I'd say, no, he's not. That should make you flourish. And um, I'm so delighted you found your path that the Lord's calling you to sanctity, you know, in marriage. Yeah, thank if you. Somebody's saying like, I really want to do this, but I'm not good at that. I would not like that. I would hate that, but I'm pretty sure I really want to be here. Yeah. <laughs> and Sister Mara Grace can just be very blunt and say, I don't think the Lord is calling you to this. <laughs> wrong. There's a caller ID issue there. I believe. <laughs> that is not the call. <laughs> Sister Mara Grace, thanks so much for spending some time with us this evening. Uh, thanks for having me. It's great chatting with y'all. And next time somebody gets out of an Uber, make sure you go and evangelize that Uber driver. <laughs> He might be the guy. <laughs> guy's probably a priest by now. Knowing <laughs> he's, he's already got the collar on. It took him three years. And Sister Mara Grace, you are glad that Christina found her vocation. I know at least one other person who also is John, her fiance, is also glad oh, that yeah. she discerned yeah. married life. All right. Well, we'll put a link on our radio blog, bustedhalo.com slash radio, for more information about vocations in general. And I say again to our listeners, you may be driving to your car going, I got four kids and I go to church all the time. This isn't for me. But it is because it's really all of our responsibility. It's not just Sister Mara Grace, who's one person in Nashville and even the vocation director for the Paul's Fathers, who I think he flew to, where to go, California this weekend. It, really, all of us who are part of the church need to be vocation directors, meaning directing people in the right, uh, pointing them in the right direction to at least explore this call. And maybe it's not. Maybe it's just like Christina. I mean, Christina probably would have made a great sister, but she's going to make a great wife and mother. But 
But to allow that to kind of happen and allow people to have the experience of that discernment is important. And it's something that has kind of faded away in our general society. So it's, it's up to all of us to be encouraging people to do this. So Sister Mara Grace, thanks for uh, giving us a little window into that today. Thanks so much. It's a joy to be with you all. Christina, you were mentioning when uh, Sister Mara Grace was on that you, I think probably since the time, you've probably said this on the show, since the time of your kind of getting into your Catholic faith again Mm -hmm. in your high school years, uh, it was kind of an an option for you, right? I mean, was that because somebody said that or did you just, you were kind of so in love with the church, you're like, well, maybe I should be a sister. Well, you know, I, I started practicing my faith again when I was 19, but it probably wasn't until I was around 21 when I was really around young sisters because I had started Ah. volunteering at a Catholic summer camp that year. And I was around all of these young sisters that were, you know, like in their early 20s, mid 20s, and were so joyful and so normal that it -hmm. it made me very curious. And and I was single at the time. And so I thought, maybe this this is what God is calling me to. And I, I... I definitely, before I met those sisters, wasn't open to it. I was like, oh, no, no, Hmm. I'm, you know, I love God, but I'm definitely like going to get married. I want to (laughs) have kids and all that stuff. But I I definitely opened myself up to it more after meeting young sisters. And Hmm. I, but even, even then when I was genuinely really openly considering it, I wanted to be open to what, to God's call, if that, what was he, what he was calling Mm -hmm. me to. But I never, ever felt that that was my vocation, even though sometimes I kind of wanted it to be. Even like yeah. having Sister Mara Grace on, whenever I see a joyful sister, I'm like, oh, that would be so cool. Like, I would love to be a nun. But I don't feel called to it. I don't feel like so that's my vocation. So can you describe that distinction? Because I think a lot of sure. people would would, uh, would just say, I want to do this. I'm going to do it. I, I sure. feel like I like it. I'm attracted to it. I'm going to do it. As opposed yeah. to, yeah, I like it. Uh, that would be great. But that's not mm-hmm. my call. I think it's kind of the same thing in dating. Like you could find someone attractive, but not be called to be with them. And Uh, you can, and it's the same thing with, you know, vocation. I can find being a sister, being a nun attractive, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm Mm -hmm. called to that. And so I think that you have to go deeper, you know, okay, what is this attraction? And I think that it's because there's beauty in every vocation. There's beauty in the sacrament of marriage. There's beauty in holy orders, if you're called to be a priest, there's beauty in religious life and living in community, if that's what you're called to. But it's up for you, it's up to you to discern, you know, is this where the place that is going to sanctify me the most? And I think that really is what vocation is. Even now that I'm engaged, I I see a lot of my faults and failures, and we're not even married yet, but I realize like how selfish I can be sometimes or how impatient I can be. And it's because I'm with this other person who is who I see virtue in. And so his virtue makes me feel like, oh, wait, I need to work on this myself. Not because hmm. he's telling me these things, right. but because I, I can see it just in the way that I interact. Hmm. And I think it's the same thing with if you're called to be a religious brother or sister. Community brings out those aspects of your personality that if you were you know single or living on your own, you might not really be exposed to them as much because you're not rubbing up against other people that are making you uncomfortable. And it really challenges you to be accountable and to really work on yourself. But you 
I really believe that God, whatever vocation he calls you to, that is where he is going to sanctify you the most. That is really going to put you on the path to, to being the person you were called to be. And so that's really what we need to discern is, is this vocation, is marriage or religious life where I am going to be become the ve- best version right. of myself? Is this challenging me to do that? And an awareness, and this I would say this is not popular in our world and our culture today, that there can be two goods. I mean, we, we, whether it's easier for us psychologically or whatever, we tend to f- find a zero-sum game in everything. That if this is what I am good at or what I'm called to, quote-unquote, then the other thing is bad. I have to demonize the other bad thing. And I think part of that is a way in which we... It's almost like not having buyer's remorse. It's it's a way in which we kind of affirm ourselves. Why I of course I made the right decision because that other decision that would be terrible. Well, no, the other decision would be great. And mm-hmm. I remember hearing a talk given by a priest where he used to be in the air force and he actually flew jets like fighter jets, like you know, like Tom Cruise, like Top Gun kind of stuff. And 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 he he left that when he was called to the priesthood. And he says that he still today when he's walking around. And he hears a plane go overhead. He has a little twinge, and he misses that. And but he affirmed that he says that that that's okay. I don't have to hate that or say that that was terrible or that was wrong or that would lead me to sin. It's okay that I can love or, as you were describing it, Christine, I can be attracted to religious life and maybe think that that would be fun or wonderful or great, and not necessarily be called to that. And I think there's so much in our society today that doesn't allow that, mm-hmm. doesn't allow for two things to be that are different to be good. Right. Yeah. You know, we see so much uh, polarization and all the polemic in our rhetoric and in our TV news and our uh, politics and everything else that, that it's such a foreign concept for people that this can be good and this can be mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, what do we do with that? Well, then, as you said, Christine, it's more of the really paying attention and listening to what would God have me do? Right. And, and, and that there's not a there's not a wrong one. Sister Mara Gray said that. It's not a matter of finding that, ooh, oh no, I picked the wrong one. Buzz, the trap door opens up and I fall yeah. into the slime. You know, it's not a right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think that vocational discernment is it's not something you can do if you're really not carving out time to do it. Uh-huh. Like it okay. it, yep. it doesn't mean you need to go visit convents every day or or monasteries, mm-hmm. but it means you need to pray. You cannot figure out what God is asking you to do if you don't ask and you don't at least listen. set aside two <laughs> minutes, like at least start with two minutes a day just to listen. Yeah. And and. It's thrown around, this word, peace, is thrown around a lot in vocational discernment, which it can be kind of annoying. Sometimes you're just like, what does that even mean to have peace? But <laughs> I, I do think it, it it is true. The more you, time you spend discerning and in prayer, there will be more of a tug in one direction. Mm-hmm. And eventually mm-hmm. it becomes easier to walk in that direction. And it might not be this perfect peace where you feel like I'm perfectly fulfilled, but you'll at least know this is where I'm headed and I feel like I am taking the right steps. You're listening to the Lunchtime Podcast Sampler on Catholic Radio Indy. I'm Kent Blanford, and we'll be back to share more fine Catholic podcasts right after this. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy, converting the culture to Christ through radio, featuring 100% Catholic programming 24-7. Do your friends a favor. Tell them about Catholic Radio Indy. 
Hi, I'm Patty Cochran. Are you a non-Catholic who listens to Catholic Radio? Would you like to find out more about how to join the Catholic Church? There's a program called RCIA that can introduce you to the Catholic faith, and it's available at your local parish. You don't have to make a commitment to participate in the program. Just try it out. I did, and it was one of the best steps I've ever made. Contact your local parish office for more information and start your journey home. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back. I mentioned at the beginning of today's program that ordinary time is a great opportunity to take stock of our spiritual life. How's your prayer life? I'm betting someone out there made a New Year's resolution to get back to the habit of prayer. This next podcast from Called and Caffeinated with Stacy Summerow offers some guidance to a listener, Julie, who's feeling frustrated by her lack of ability to maintain the four times a day structure of her prayer life that she had during last year's quarantine. This episode is titled, Quit Quitting Your Prayer Life. Hi, I'm Stacy. I love chatting about how to find our callings preferably cozied up with steamy beverages in a coffee shop. You can connect with me on social media at Stacy Summerow and subscribe to StacySummerow.com for a free discernment packet called How to Make the Right Choice. God's adventure awaits, my friend, and I am thrilled you're on the journey with me. Hello there, friends. Welcome to another episode. I'm so excited that you've joined me today. I am going to be doing another Q&A episode today, and we have a letter from Jackie. So she wrote to me, Hi, Stacy. Over quarantine, I had a lot of time to spend with the Lord, which was wonderful. I'm so happy life is a bit more back to normal now, but the new busy schedule has taken a toll on my prayer life. I used to be very diligent, diligent, (laughs) I don't know why I had trouble reading that word, but now I'm lacking the time and sometimes I'm tired and feeling so lazy, I just skip it. I used to have four scheduled prayer times a day. I know I need to reevaluate my prayer times and maybe my work schedule. How would you recommend fitting in prayer during a busy day? And how can I ease the frustration I have about the lack of time I spend with the Lord? Thanks for all you do in your videos and podcasts. You've provided me with lots of insight I'm so grateful for. Thanks, Jackie. Jackie, I'm totally with you. I totally hear you. And I'm going to answer the second part of your question first about dealing with the frustration and avoiding discouragement. I think this is such a great question that we can all relate to. And um, and then I'm going to move into giving you practical ideas that I thought of on how to fit prayer into a busy life. So as always, I'm not your spiritual director. These questions, I am so happy to answer as though we were just sitting down for coffee together. So take everything with a grain of salt, of course, and I'm just excited to encourage you on your journey. Just before we dive in, I'm so excited because I have the absolute perfect episode sponsor for you. I want to let you know how all of my listeners can get a free premium three-month trial to the Hallow app. You may have heard of Hallow before. A lot of people have been recommending it lately, but if something led you to click on this episode to find more time and more ways to pray, I can guarantee that there is something in that app for you if you haven't tried it yet. So you're definitely going to want to check it out with my code, which is hallow.com slash Stacey and that is going to be in the show notes. Hallow, in case you haven't heard of it, is the number one Catholic prayer app with over 1 million downloads. So if you struggle to concentrate, Hallow can teach you how to effectively 
meditatively pray. So I love it. I use it. And I just appreciate how doable Hallow makes it to connect with God, even on the busiest days. So again, truly the best sponsor possible for this episode. You can personalize the length and the type of your sessions. You can have different people, different voices read to you. You can use it in conjunction with your friends and your family to pray together. You can set different music for a background and you can set personal prayer goals. So once again, for that premium three-month trial, go ahead to hallow.com slash Stacey And now let us get on to the episode. So a lot of us are transitioning back to our so-called normal lives after a year and a half of being locked down. And any time that we go through a life transition, like going to college, getting married, becoming a parent, changing jobs, our prayer lives and our schedules have to adapt. So in these times, it's very understandable. You might hit a wall. So I want to recommend to you a book called Overcoming Spiritual Discouragement, which is by Father Timothy Gallagher. And he wrote, the great obstacle in the spiritual life is discouragement. For those who love the Lord and try to follow him with all their failings, this is the great danger. And I just want to emphasize that falling out of your prayer routine is not the great danger. It is in a sense. I mean, if you stay that way for a long time, but he says the great danger is discouragement, which is the effect anytime we feel that we failed. So I've definitely noticed that in my own life. And it's not the fact that I don't have time to pray. It's more like I just fall off the horse and I can't seem to get back on. And a lot of times that's because I don't have the ability to pray the way that I want to pray. So it's kind of like, well, if I can't pray the way I want to pray, if I can't have a full hour to do a holy hour, then I'm just not going to do anything. Um, And I kind of wait around for those ideal conditions. And when those don't come, then it's like, oh, well, I just didn't have time. So that leaves the door open for the devil to come in it, to come in and just lead us to this perfectionism. Like I said, where if you don't have time to do any, everything, you don't do anything. And then also to sort of take advantage of that vulnerability and tempt us to give in to discouragement. So the first thing to do, I'm going to go through a couple steps here is to just surrender your expectations of what your prayer life should look like. Surrender comes up so often in my ministry, and if you haven't yet, you can subscribe on my website, stacysummero.com. I'll put a link in the show notes. You can get my very favorite prayer of surrender when you subscribe for free. It'll come right to your inbox. It's on page two or three of a packet called How to Make the Right Choice. I talk about it all the time. But surrender, I just find, is so important time and time again because we're going to hit these walls. We're going to go through these life transitions, and when those happen, we always have to go back to surrender. So Jackie, you've been experiencing the benefits of this beautiful, disciplined season of prayer, and then you may begin to expect a certain amount of gratification. I went through this myself when I transitioned from a place where I had a very easy work schedule into a place where I had to drive 20 minutes to mass. I started a full-time job where I had to travel a lot, and suddenly my schedule became very, very difficult, and it has continued uh, being very busy ever since. And my spiritual counselor at the time told me that in that initial period where I kind of had an easy work schedule and I lived in this place where um, there was a chapel in the building and it was just amazing. I could make it to mass easily. She told me that I was being given the milk of comfort. That's sort of like my spiritual babyhood where God was nourishing me very easily. He was wooing my heart. He was winning me over. But then when I transitioned and I was being called to something different, I was being fed, as she said, the meat of a Christian life, you know, the meat and potatoes. It takes some chewing, it takes some effort to get those things down. So I was being strengthened through being tested and it's not fun, but do trust that God is using it. And when you surrender, it opens the door to 
allowing God to kind of come in and revamp it the way that he wants you to, if that makes sense. So my second thing, piece of advice after a surrender is expecting something new. One of my favorite verses is Isaiah 43, 19. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And this is kind of fun because it opens the door to creativity. Um, you need to be flexible and docile in this new phase. And it usually helps a lot when I remember that transitions take much longer than I think they're going to. And it's okay that you don't have everything figured out now. So docility is going to take us out of what we expect that we had in the past, and it's going to put us back in the present moment, which is really where the Holy Spirit can work. Blessed Mother is, of course, the ultimate example. So when the angel Gabriel came and he presented her with this life-changing decision, Mary immediately just surrendered. She pivoted. She moved into her new phase, and she said, I'm the handmaid of the Lord. So because you, Jackie, don't have as much time freedom, um, you're in need of surrendering that and kind of finding new ways to pray and a new prayer schedule. So um, for me, one thing that I like to do, one creative way I like to pray as a mom is I go up and down my stairs quite a lot and we have the crucifix. And as I'm carrying up laundry or something for the kids, I'll stop and I'll just kiss the crucifix. And it's a very quick moment of being able to unite myself to the Lord. It's not holy hour. It's certainly not that really deep connection that we all need with the Lord, but it's a legitimate way to connect with him in prayer. So you can do small things. And as long as you're connecting with God, he can show you new, beautiful, creative ways that you can pray. Uh, tip number three is to respect your humanity. I love this one so much. And I'm just going to read a passage that explains this perfectly. This is from that book, Overcoming Spiritual Discern- Spiritual Dis- Discouragement. Wow, I can't talk today. Uh, by Father Timothy Gallagher. And he wrote, yes, strive to do well all that you do. Your prayer, your work, your relationships, your service to others, your life in the church. But do it with respect for your humanity. If you find yourself striving to get that last good task done in the face of utter exhaustion, if you find yourself taking on one more responsibility when you know you're already too stressed, if you consider undertaking a spiritual practice when you know it will be possible only if nothing unforeseen interferes and you know that unforeseen things will occur, know that God is not asking this of you right now. Yes, strive to do well all that you do. God is asking this of you, but God also wants to respect the humanity that he has given you, the humanity that he himself took on and that he loves. And I don't think I need to explain that one anymore. (laughs) Number four, while being gentle with yourself and respecting your humanity, do discipline yourself to opt out of any unnecessary activity so that you can opt into a healthy prayer life. So Classic example, scrolling on your phone. We all know it's addictive. Uh, Maybe you need to put up boundaries so that you aren't scheduled every single hour of the day. I know for myself, I used to schedule myself within an inch of my life because I was really afraid of having downtime. And now my downtime when I don't, that unstructured time is like such, as I've gotten older, I treasure it more and more. Um, So don't be shy to just have an open evening and to really go on a date with God (laughs) so that you can actually fit in that really nice, full, holy hour. So don't feel guilty that you're missing out because we all need that kind of breathing time. So ask yourself what's optional and what's essential. Um, yeah. So if you need to be really honest with yourself, walk away and kind of have a downtime. Don't feel bad about setting those boundaries. Number five, on days when you do fail to discipline yourself to pray, just say to yourself, now I begin. 
And this is the secret to overcoming spiritual dis- discouragement. Um, and Father Timothy recommends kind of saying, now I begin over and over again, not just every day, but literally every hour, maybe every minute. <laughs> so every day is a new opportunity and our God is really a God of mercy. He doesn't dwell in the past. He always dwells in the present moment. So the devil really is going to want to pin all of your shortcomings on you and to try to put these labels on you to convince you that you're a flake, you can't keep a commitment, you're failing, you're a mess. But those labels don't come from God. In Hebrews 10, 17, it says, their sins and their evil doing, I will remember no more. So God's only concerned with you moving forward today. He is not measuring you by your failures. So I really hope that that kind of helped frame the discussion about what we should expect from our prayer lives. I know it doesn't give you a lot of sort of um, concrete things just yet, but that's what I'm looking to move into. So we are going to go into fitting your prayer life into your busy schedule. So um, first of all, let's identify the kind of prayer that best fills our cup and connects us with God. And then we do that for every day for 15 minutes minimum. So for me, I pray my surrender prayer. That is my way of really opening my heart to receive God and whatever it is that he wants to say to me. And then reading scripture for about 10 minutes and then journaling with it. So um, this is the way that I most frequently hear God speak to me. And so if I only have a short window of downtime, that should be my first go-to kind of prayer. Uh, There's so many ways to pray, which is amazing, but we shouldn't feel pressure to do all of them all the time. There's always another feast day, a devotion, a novena, et cetera, et cetera, but don't fall into FOMO, which is fear of missing out at the cost of intimacy with God. Um, I know some people, some friends of mine really love connecting with God through worship music. So they just do that as their prayer every day, kind of getting you in the zone, so to speak. Um, okay, number two, this is a really hard one, but do prioritize prayer over your to-do list. Oh, I know when I'm really busy and I'm waiting for my kids to go down for their quiet time and then I just want to get going on that to-do list that's been haunting me all day. There's just, it's really hard to say, okay, I'm going to give God the first fruits of my time. I'm going to give him the first 15 minutes of that hour so that I can make sure that I connect with him. And it's really hard because technically you don't accomplish anything when you're praying and your to-do list is five miles long, but it's magical how the tasks get done. If I give God that first fruits of my time, Everything that needs to happen will just happen so much quicker, so much smoother than I could have done it if I didn't pray. So God will take care of you. So St. Francis de Sales has this great quote, which is, every one of us needs a half hour of prayer every day, except when we're busy, then we need an hour. (laughs) And even if you can't do a literal hour, I think that we can understand that the spirit of what he's saying is perfect. Number three, work prayer into your day. You could pray a rosary in the car on your commute or in our family, like I mentioned before, we kiss the crucifix that's hanging in our hallway. Uh, We play worship music while we do the dishes. So like I mentioned before, prioritize that kind of prayer that best fills your cup. So that's your one go-to thing, but you can fit it in in other creative ways throughout the day. Um, Often as I'm walking from room to room, from one toddler crisis to another, I'll kind of just say, Jesus, I trust in you. And that gets me on track, keeps me on track for my next task. Number four is a really cool one called habit stacking. Now, this is a new concept to me, so I haven't really tried it myself yet. Uh, but 
I heard about it and I wanted to make sure to include it because I think there's incredible power. So there is a book called Atomic Habits where you can read all about it start to finish. But the basic gist of it is that you create your own ritual by adding a current habit or adding a new habit on top of your current habit. For example, um, maybe you brew your morning coffee every morning. Well, your new habit that you stack on top of that could be after you brew your coffee, you don't have your first sip um, until you're sitting upright on your couch with your Bible open, ready to read. Or maybe as you drive home from work, that's a habit you do every day. You can stack another habit on top of there where you add um, a, a stop at the Adoration Chapel on your way home from work. Or another idea would be to pack your spiritual reading book into your lunchbox so that you make sure you get in your spiritual reading while you eat lunch. So, so many possibilities for this one. I just think it's a really great, a really great idea. Number five, hone in on your best time or times for prayer. I know, Jackie, you said you had four structured times for prayer. That is amazing. If you're out and you're on the go, just make sure you at least have one good time to pray. Maybe that's the morning. If you're in the 5 a.m. club, my hat is off to you. I really respect you. <laughs> uh, for me, usually taking a break in the middle of the day is the best time when I can most reliably get some quiet time. And then for someone like my husband, he does great praying before bed. So depending on your schedule, this is going to be whatever is best for you. Uh, and one thing to note in this point as well is that um, if you're like me, I drop off to sleep the second my head hits the pillow. I'm so tired. So whenever I leave my praying until the end of the day, it just never goes well. So know thyself and plan accordingly. Number six, set up your space for success. Uh, put your Bible and your journal right next to your bed, maybe. I'm actually looking at mine right now, right next to me on my bed. Um, keep a rosary in the car, perhaps, so that you can just grab it as you go. Uh, maybe set reminders for the Hallow app on your phone. And by the way, if you guys want to try a, a free 30-day premium trial of Hallow, I have a link for you, which is in the show notes, and you can try that premium trial for free. There's tons of uh, content on there, but it is um, it, the premium is, in my opinion, just so worth it. It's so awesome. So feel free to go check out that Hallow app. Um, highly recommend. Such a great way to get your meditation in every day, and it's, it's so relaxing. It's so good, so I just can't recommend Hallow highly enough. Uh, and finally, my last tip is to go for achievable rather than grand. So small changes that you are going to do consistently are going to be so much better than trying to come up with too much structure and then kind of failing and getting discouraged. You know, just give yourself the grace to do something that you know you can do and don't make this grand plan that you're going to do great for a week and then completely fall off the bus. So those are my tips for you. I am so grateful that you joined me today. If you have been enjoying this content, I would absolutely love it if you could do me the favor of going to Apple Podcasts, leaving a rating and a review. And I love reading the reviews that come in for my show. Thank you so much for everyone who's written one. Um, you might also want to consider joining my Patreon community. The Holy Spirit is doing such a cool thing over there where he is helping us to foster this beautiful friendship. We're really turning into a real community where we have monthly video chat and we have just simply a wonderful time. So if you're looking for community and if you would like to support this show monetarily, that would, you can get the two for one right there. Um, or even if you just want to support the show monetarily, you're most welcome to join Patreon as well. So I'll put a link in the show notes. It's patreon.com slash called and caffeinated. And I hope you'll join me over there and come check it out. So until next time, um, may God bless you. And thank you so much for listening. 
Several times today, I've mentioned ordinary time. Our last offering today gives us a taste of just what that means. This is Joan Watson with Three Minute Theology, Ordinary Time. We are back in the season of ordinary time. We now have father wearing green vestments again. So what is ordinary time? Is it what it sounds like, that we don't have any feasts to celebrate and so we're just back to humdrum, typical, ordinary time? Well, the word ordinary actually comes from the same word that we get the word ordinal, and it means numbered or ordered. It means that the prayers for Mass come from the fifth week of ordinary time, or the sixth week, or the seventh week. So what can we learn from ordinary time? Is it just a time to sit back and kind of be bored? After the celebrations of Christmas, the preparations of Advent, the celebrations of Easter, the penance of Lent, maybe it is tempting to see ordinary time as just kind of a time to take a break. Or am I supposed to take a break? Maybe not really care about my faith. That's the exact opposite of ordinary time. Ordinary time is the time when saints are made. Let me explain. When we look at the parable of the talents, we see in the gospel that Christ tells this parable about three men who each receive a different amount of money from the master. And they are each given a chance to do something with that money. The third guy does nothing. He buries it. He doesn't do anything with what he's been given and he's punished accordingly. That's what ordinary time's all about. We've been given this life and sometimes it seems rather humdrum. Sometimes it seems rather exciting. But at the end of this life, we have to account for what we did during those days. What did we do with the gifts of God, even when life was ordinary, even when life was monotonous? You know, at the end of your life, you're going to be asked, what did you do with the time you were given? Maybe you spent most of your days folding laundry or making dinner. What did you do with that time? Did you offer that time to God as a prayer for your family or your friends. Maybe you were given some exotic job in Aruba and life was always a thrill and life was full of beautiful Instagram pictures. What did you do with that time? Did you offer that time to God? Whether life is exciting or life is monotonous, this is the life you were given and this is the life that you'll account for, that you'll have to account for God at the end. What did I do with my life? Saints are not made in just the exciting times. Saints are made in the ordinary time. And so when we look at this season of ordinary time, it can be tempting to take a break, to forget the penance of Lent, and even forget the celebrations of Easter. But this is the time where we get serious and we say, I'm gonna make my life a great one. I'm gonna live a life of holiness, even when life looks ordinary. And that's a little theology in three minutes. That's all the time we have for Catholic Radio Indy's Lunchtime Podcast Sampler for today. You can find this show in podcast form at catholicradioindy.org, along with links to more of the programs we've shared. We pray, Lord, let us be fully cognizant of the gift of everyday life. May we use our time and talent, gifts from you, wisely for the good of all and the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm Kent Blanford, and until next time, may God bless. Did you miss something in this show or just want to hear it again? 
Podcasts of this and all our other great local programs are available 24-7 at catholicradioindy.org.